You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, ready to take you through another season of Gonzaga Hoops. First, I want to sincerely thank all of you for making this show your first listen of the day. Some of you have been with me from the beginning, back in the early Scorzag score days. Some of you are much, much newer to the show, but either way, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to listen. Also, many of you have reached out recently with encouragement, compliments, uh, constructive criticism at times, just introducing yourselves via email, via social media, uh, thanking me for the show. I want to say I, I really do appreciate all of that. I've tried to catch up uh, and respond to everybody. I think, I'm, I think I'm caught up at this point. If not, I'm very close to being so. Uh, but I just, I just really appreciate it. You know, the, I've said this before. This podcast is not anything without people who listen to it. Uh, and, I, and I want that to reflect in the show, not only uh, in the fact that the show exists because of listeners, but because you all provide me with ideas for content. You provide me with great questions for Mailbag Monday. Now we're doing this Andy Locke segment uh, where you provide your hot takes and I grade them. That's something that came out of a listener idea. So I just want to say that like, I really appreciate all of you. And it's we got another season coming up. <laughs> we're getting started today with the new season. Uh, and we also got a new YouTube channel coming up. And it's something that I'm really going to count on you all to help support that as well. It's not quite live when it is. I'm going to spam it all over social media and here on the show. Please, please, please search Locked on Zags on YouTube and you can subscribe to it that way. It really means a lot to me. You've all done so much already to make this such a great experience transitioning over to Locked on Zags and just all of my experience podcasting about Gonzaga basketball. And I'm really excited to continue to do it for what should be a fantastic season that's getting started now. It's it's here, y'all. We are officially in college basketball season by the time you're listening to this. Tuesday, November 9th, Gonzaga's facing off against Dixie State, the Red Storm, in their second season in the Western Athletic Conference. It is the official start of the 2021-2022 season. If you did not find a way to get this Tuesday off from work, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's always fun to take the first day of college basketball season off. Just watch all of the games. There's so many fun games going on, even though most teams are not playing super high-profile opponents in their first game, as you would expect. There's still some really good games out there. I'm really excited. I'm going to try to get a chance to watch Oregon versus Texas Southern. That's a game that I'm really excited about. I love Texas Southern. They always go out and play as many (laughs) challenging non-conference games as possible. I'm intrigued by what Oregon is going to look like this year, so I think that'll be a super fun one. UCLA versus Bakersfield is at 8, so for those of you who are not tired of college basketball after watching the Zags versus Dixie State, you can see what UCLA, Johnny Juzang, and his group are up to as their upcoming opponent for the Zags, of course. And then if you want to split screen it during Gonzaga's game at 6 p.m., Texas versus Houston Baptist is going to be going on as well. I'm going to be trying to watch as much of that as I can just so we can get a good sense of what Texas's rotation is going to look like. They have so many transfers coming in. We're going to have a great show later this week talking all things Texas ahead of that game on Saturday, but that's a good opportunity to get at least a little glimpse of them before we actually end up facing them on Saturday. All right, today's episode, of course, we're going to preview Gonzaga's opponent, the Dixie State Red Storm. In the first segment of this show, we're going to talk about 
their path to D1, which they've only been there for a couple of years. We're going to talk about what type of offense they run, what the, what it's going to look like out there, and of course, who their best players are. Segment two, we're going to do five things to watch. This is a segment I'm planning to do for every game this season, just talking about what I'm going to be looking for in the upcoming game. And then after the game in the next episode, when we review the game, we'll also kind of touch on some of those topics and see if they ended up uh, becoming things that were relevant to the game or not. And then today in the third segment, uh, I mentioned earlier in the show, I'm not a hot take guy, but I've been grading all of your hot takes. And it's only fair that you all get a chance to grade some of my hot takes. So in the third segment, I'm going to drop a few hot takes. And I say that in parentheses because I'm not really a hot take guy, like I said, but uh, hopefully there's something that you guys can can respond to and give me some feedback on on those thoughts. All right, so let's get right into it. The Zags are kicking off the season, or tipping off the season, I guess, against Dixie State. This is the second year that Dixie State has been Division One. Like a lot of other schools who are transitioning to Division One. they seem to be cutting their teeth in the WAC, the Western Athletic Conference, which has frequently kind of just been the for lack of a better word, dumping ground for teams that don't really have a home. It's not very geographically located all that well on the West Coast, although Dixie State is at least in Utah, so it could be worse. But it's it's a strange conference that's kind of just handled a lot of these schools. Last year, Dixie State first season at the Division One level, they went 8-13. and 13. On the year, obviously a shortened season because of COVID, as many teams dealt with that. They went 4-10 and 10 in conference play, which... I don't know, four wins in your first season at the Division One level is honestly not too bad. The WAC is, you know, not, not one of the stronger conferences in all of college basketball, but still, I don't think there's anything to shake your head at at going 8-13 and 13 on the year and 4-10 and 10 against your conference opponents. Uh, one thing to note about them that will become evident right away is they they are fast. They run one of the fastest-paced teams in the country. According to Ken Palm, they had the 13th highest adjusted tempo in the nation. For the record, the Zags were 11th, so this should be a barn burner. Both these teams are going to be going back and forth, getting shots up early in the clock. Obviously, these rosters are different from last year. I think Gonzaga is maybe... I can't tell if they're going to be more or less of a fast-paced team. Obviously, not having a Jalen Suggs or a Joel Iyayi changes things a little bit, but they're going to be more defensively minded, which I think could lead to more runouts on fast breaks uh, in that regard. But I don't know if they're going to push the pace as much in traditional half-court sets. I guess we'll find out. But I think this game is going to be a lot of going back and forth. It's going to feel like you're watching a tennis match, just turning your eyes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, because I think these two teams are going to be moving up and down the court quite a bit. Another fact, when I was doing some research, Coach John Judkins has been at Dixie State for 17 years. You just don't see that all that often. You know, most of those years were obviously Division II level. That's where they were prior to getting bumped up to to join the WAC this past season. But I've uh, been the coach there for a super long time, nearly as long as Coach Mark Few has been at Gonzaga. You don't see a ton of coaches, you know, last in past 15 years or so at the same school. So good kudos to him. I think it's it's got to be really exhilarating, not just for the players who were on that roster who got to move up to the Division One level, but for a coach to put in 15 years of time at one school at the D2 level. A school that won championships at the D2 level was one of the best programs. Obviously, you'd expect any program that's getting bumped up to D1 to have had a lot of success at D2. And for him to to have stayed at that school, not gone out and gotten himself another job at a D1 school, even as an assistant, uh, and to now get an opportunity to be a head coach at the Division One level, that's that's pretty cool. So to props... Props to John Judkins for that opportunity for him and and for sticking it out for so long. I look at the rankings for this team. Obviously, uh, you know, it's preseason rankings because nobody's played a game yet. Ken Palm has them 310th. Sports Illustrated, Kevin Sweeney's list has them 328th. 
and CBS Matt Norlander's list has them 283rd. So kind of about a 50, 50 uh, team gap between CBS and Sports Illustrated. But regardless, these, this is still not regarded as a particularly good team, as you'd expect from a school making their second season at the Division One level. They're not going to be particularly competitive in the WAC. They're not going to give Gonzaga a ton of trouble uh, on, the, on the court here. I, I don't think that's a big spoiler, but it's, I think the spread is, I believe it's 40, somewhere around 40. I think that's a fair spread. I don't think this is going to be a close game in any stretch of the imagination. The two players... To look out for on Dixie State's roster, two two returners from last year, Cameron Gooden and Hunter Schofield. Gooden's a point guard. He's a junior. He averaged 13 points, three rebounds, three assists last year. And then Schofield is their big man, 13 points, six boards, and one assist. Uh, the biggest thing to note about this team is that Schofield is their biggest player. He's their biggest low, pros, low post presence, and he is 6'8", uh, roughly the same size as Julian Strother or Anton Watson. That's obviously going to be a factor with a lot of the teams that Gonzaga plays this year, even the very, very good non-conference teams, but particularly the the less notable non-conference teams. They're just not going to have the size to compete with Gonzaga by any stretch. I mean, I don't know how they, if Schofield's guarding Drew Timmy, they'll have a 6'7 or 6'6 guy guarding Chet Holmgren, and that's just not fair. <laughs> It's just, it's just really not fair. But it's still, I for Dixie State, cool opportunity to get a chance to play a team like Gonzaga to to go to the kennel to play them that way. Cool for a coach who's bided his time for so long to get a chance to coach against a team like this at the Division One level. I think it's going to be a fun game because of the pace, because both teams are going to be moving. I think when Gonzaga plays these opponents that aren't going to be particularly competitive, it's fun to see teams that are either going to do things uniquely or that are just <laughs> going to go really, really fast because I just think it makes it makes it a little bit more of an exciting viewing experience. All right, that's a wrap on Dixie State, talking about this team and what they're going to look like in this game tonight, depending on when you're listening to this show. Uh, coming up in the second segment, I'm going to go through my five things that I'll be watching most closely, the things I'm going to be taking notes on in tonight's contest. Before we get there, though, let's talk about prize picks. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this app, and I know that you will too. PrizePix is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world and offer all the star players from not only the Power 5 schools, but from your favorite mid-major programs as well. I know that's appealing for those Gonzaga fans out there. New users that deposit and use the promo code LOCKEDON will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. PrizePix allows mixed sport entries, so you can take the over on Chet Holmgren combined with the under on Patrick Mahomes in the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. So don't hesitate. Check out pricepix.com and use promo code LOCKEDON or go to your App Store and download the app today. PricePix is daily fantasy made easy. All right. In the first segment, we talked all about Dixie State, the tempo that they play at, how long they've been Division One, what players we're going to look out for. Now, in the second segment, I want to discuss my five things to watch for. These are obviously I'm going to watch every play of the game. That's what I do. I'm going to kind of find whatever talking points come out of the contest. But ahead of time, I always like to take a look at like, these are the things that I'm really going to focus on. How does Gonzaga do this? How does the rotation shake out like this? What? How does this player respond to this? And 
this early in the season when we don't really have a lot of data on the other team. Most of most of these are going to be specific to Gonzaga. Obviously, when we start playing the, the UCLA's and the Dukes and BYU and stuff, we'll kind of have a better sense of what the Zags are going to be encountering and what those players are going to look like. And so, so they might change a little bit in that regard. But for this one, it's a little bit more about just the Zags and what this is going to look like. So obviously for number one, the top topic, the thing that everybody's discussing, the starting lineup. Simply put, that's the first thing I'm going to be watching for is who starts. It's obviously not set in stone. Uh, Gonzaga started a different lineup against Eastern Oregon than the lineup they started against Lewis Clark State. They're two exhibition games. So clearly there's not any certainty there. Maybe they have a plan in place. Maybe they always had a plan in place that they were just trying some new things in those games. I'm not sure. The biggest question, of course, is whether Julian Strother is a starter or not. He started against Eastern Oregon. He did not start against Lewis Clark State. They switched it up. They had Hunter Salas start in that game instead. The rest of the starters stayed the same. Andrew Nembhard, Rasier Bolton, Chet Holmgren, Drew Timmy. I expect those four players to start. I'd be pretty surprised if any of them did not. I'd be shocked if any of Timmy, Holmgren, and Nembhard don't start. I guess there's a chance that Rasier Bolton doesn't start, but I expect him to start. I personally expect Julian Strother to start as well. He had a phenomenal game against Eastern Oregon. He looked fantastic against Lewis Clark State as well in the second half in particular. I mentioned this on the Mailbag Monday episode, so if you just heard this, I apologize. If you did not, go check that episode out in your feed. It should be there waiting for you. But I think Strother makes more sense because he gives more offense. And then Gonzaga has the ability to bring in a more defensive-focused second unit and Anton Watson, Hunter Salas, and Nolan Hickman, who are all going to be really, really solid defensive players. So I think that makes some sense. I could understand the argument for starting somebody like Salas, having a little bit more defense in the starting lineup, and then bringing in Strother as kind of instant offense off the bench. It does make sense. I don't think there's a wrong answer here. If Gonzaga doesn't start Strother, I don't think that's wrong. You know, I think that it's they have so many weapons and so much talent, and I think all these guys are going to play a similar amount of minutes per game. So it also it doesn't maybe doesn't matter that much whether they start or not. But for my money, I think Strother fits the starting lineup a little bit better and gives Gonzaga this opportunity to really create really messy situations for the opposing team when they bring in their second unit of all defensive stalwarts. Uh, next thing that I'm watching for is Dixie State's defensive game plan. Uh, mostly, I'm curious if they're going to run a lot of zone. This is something I've talked about a handful of times on this show. Gonzaga could be susceptible to zone defenses. I don't think it's going to happen against Dixie State necessarily because I just don't think they have the talent, quite frankly, size and athleticism to really match up with Gonzaga, regardless of what defense they do. But it would make sense for them if they feel comfortable in that defensive set to give it a shot because they don't have any players over six foot eight. They're they're not going to match up man to man with Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren successfully. This team struggles to shoot from the outside. So why not pack in a zone, surround players around Drew Timmy so it's harder to get him the ball and make Gonzaga shoot over them? I don't know if Dixie State is going to do this. I have no idea, but I'm going to be watching for it closely for two reasons. One, because I think if they do it, we're probably going to see a lot of other teams do it. It's kind of going to confirm that theory I have that a lot of teams are going to try this. And two, I really want to see how Gonzaga handles it. Do they put Chet Holmgren in that soft spot in the middle? Do they bring Anton Watson in, who's proven he's really, really good at running off of zones, but is not a good outside shooter? Do we see more of Ben Gregg? Like, what what type of lineups does Gonzaga do to mitigate zone defenses? And we may not see, they may have a more complex offensive strategy against zones that we don't ultimately see in this game because they're not going to need it. But I'm curious if 
if Texas or UCLA or Duke or Alabama or BYU, so on and so forth, if those teams run these tight 2-3 zones, Gonzaga's going to need to have a plan. And maybe there's a chance we see glimpses of that plan against Dixie State. And then beyond that, does Dixie State, are they really aggressive defensively? Are they trying to force turnovers? We know that they love to get out and run. Are they doing that because of their defensive pressure? Are they just doing that because they just run off of made baskets? Like, how does that shake out? I don't think that them trying to be hyper-aggressive with our guards is going to work particularly well, but I'm curious to see if that's something that they attempt to do. Number three, rotation minutes for the reserves. Basically, you know, it's an extension of the starting lineup question. How do these minutes shake out? And I think an opening game against Dixie State is still, it's giving us more information than the exhibition games do. There's no doubt about that, particularly when it comes to the starting lineup. But I still think we're going to see more of guys who we're not going to see all that much once the season really gets going. We're going to see more of Caden Perry and Ben Gregg. We're probably going to see some of Martinez Arlauskas. We may even see some of the walk-ons. You know, Joe Few might get some get some minutes. Will Graves, Matthew Lang, those guys might come in. But I don't know that that's going to tell us a full picture of what the actual rotation is going to look like when the season starts. But I will be curious to see, like, which big comes in first. Like, Anton Watson's coming in first. <laughs> we can establish that. But of the other two bigs, Caden Perry and Ben Gregg, does Caden Perry continue to come in before Ben Gregg? Because if so, that's a pretty good indication that he might be ahead of Greg on the depth chart. Again, I think we're splitting hairs on how many minutes this necessarily means because I don't think that either of these guys are going to be complete non-factors and not playing at all. But I also don't think either of them are going to be playing very significant minutes this season just because of Chet Holmgren, Andrew Timmy, and Anton Watson. There's just not enough room. But whichever one comes in first is something that I'm going to be kind of taking a note on. And again, kind of goes back to the second point. If if we need three-point shooting because they're in a zone, does that mean Ben plays more? Does that mean that doesn't necessarily mean, in my mind at least, that he's like definitively ahead of Caden Perry on the depth chart? It just might be a matchup situation that they're trying to look at. This is something that I've postulated could be something that, that Mark Few and the staff do. It's not really something they've ever done before. So it would be a little bit surprising to see them play matchups with a rotation big like this, but it makes a lot of sense with the current roster construction that those two guys are kind of pinballed off each other depending on what what the team's needs are at that moment. And then I'm curious about Nolan Hickman's playing time. He's led the team in minutes in both exhibition games. That's something that I've noticed and that I'm paying attention to. He's not going to lead the team in minutes this season at all. He's probably not going to lead the team in minutes any game going forward for the rest of the year, and that's not a knock on him as a basketball player. It's just that Andrew Nemhard's going to play 32 to 34 minutes per night. Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren are going to play a ton of minutes as well. I think Hickman's minutes are going to drop. I think part of the reason we saw so much of him is because there was no need to play Andrew Nemhard a lot of minutes in these exhibition games. We know what kind of player he is. We know what he's capable of doing. It makes more sense to get a closer look at your backup point guard, a guy who I think could really do a lot of damage this year. He's a great defensive player. He's got he's got phenomenal instincts on that end of the floor. He's going to get a ton of steals this year. He's also a good facilitator, a good offensive player. I'd like to see his three-point shot show up a little bit more than it has up to this point, but I think he's going to be a really good player, and I'm curious how many minutes he gets now that the actual season is starting. Number four, three-point shooting. Uh, pretty obvious one. I unfortunately think it's going to be a part of the conversation throughout the season because uh, Gonzaga's guards are just not not that good at it. That's the main issue. Julian's been fantastic. You know, he's been a 50-ish percent three-point shooter. That's probably not going to stick at that rate, but can he can he shoot 45% this year? Can he, you know, can he routinely be a guy who you expect to make the majority of the threes that he takes? And then Chet Holmgren, like, do we see him step out and start knocking down more threes? He hasn't done it a ton yet. He's also 
played barely 20 minutes per game. He's going to play a lot more minutes. I think we're going to see him shoot some more outside shots. And then, you know, I'm curious about Drew Timmy, Anton Watson. You know, Drew, we've heard a ton of talk about him becoming an increased three-point shooter. It hasn't happened yet. I'm kind of going on record as saying I don't think it's going to happen. We'll talk about that more in the third segment. Uh, Anton Watson, same thing. He's missed the vast majority of the threes he's taken. He's like an 11% three-point shooter for his career. Do we see more of that from him this year? And then, of course, the guards. Rasir Bolton, Nolan Hickman, Hunter Salas, Andrew Nempard. They've been bad. Through the first two games, the first two exhibition games, they've been bad outside shooters. Dominic Harris is out for a very long time. He might be out for the entire year. Until he's back, Gonzaga does not have proven shooters in the backcourt outside of Julian Strother, who is A, barely a backcourt player, and B, not particularly proven at this point. So how they shoot the three this this game is, you know, it's, it matters. It matters because their next game is Texas, and that's a team where they can't go a combined two for 20 from three like we've seen from these guards in the, uh, in the exhibition games. They're going to need to knock some more of those down if they want to win that game, and it would be a really nice step to see them shoot – you know, maybe 32, 33% as a unit uh, against Dixie State. And the last one before we move on to the third segment uh, is Chet Holmgren. And that's it. <laughs> that is my note. Uh, watch Chet Holmgren because he's a generational talent. He is extraordinarily good. And we we, we got Jalen Suggs last year. And do not get me wrong, watching Jalen Suggs last year was absolutely jaw-dropping. He was extraordinary to watch, even on games where it didn't feel like he played all that well. He still had a few highlight plays every single game. He played with extraordinary confidence. Uh, he played the point guard position in a way that we've never seen anybody do it at Gonzaga. So we were spoiled. But now we get Chet. And Chet is something else completely, man. He is going to be an absolute joy to watch this season. I'm just going to have my eyes on him basically every time he's on the floor because he can do something in an instant. So don't forget to watch Chet. <laughs> don't forget to remind yourself how spoiled we are that a player like Chet Holmgren, not just the number one recruit in the country, but a player of his unique skill set, his overall talent level, and the multiple different abilities he has on the basketball court. Uh, he's going to be so much fun to watch, and I can't wait to see the season get started here on Tuesday. All right, we talked Dixie State. We talked what I'm going to be watching for this evening. Now coming into the third segment, I'm going to give you all a chance to grade some of my hot takes for this upcoming season. I've told you whether I think your takes are too hot or too cold. Now is your turn to let me know. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Bet Online. BetOnline is back and better than ever. BetOnline has a new web interface for the start of the NBA and college basketball seasons, and it features more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Las Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. All right, still Locked On Zags podcast, still listening to Andy Patton, still talking all things Dixie State. Now here in the third segment, we're going to change it up just a little bit. Uh, for those of you who have been listening for the last few weeks, you've heard me debut the new Andy Locke segment, which has gone over extremely well. Thank you all to all of you who have submitted your hot takes. The, the way that this works, Andy Locks is a play off of Goldilocks. For those who did not catch that, uh, it is a, a process where you guys send in your hot takes or your regular takes 
thoughts on Gonzaga basketball in general. I grade them whether they are too hot, too cold, or just right. But I thought it would only be fair if you guys got to hear some of my hot takes, because if I want to sit here and tell you that your hot takes are too hot or too cold, it's it makes the most sense for you guys to be able to hear what I'm thinking going on in this season. So without further ado, I made five hot takes for this year, uh, All four of them related to this specific roster, one of them related to a Zag in the NBA, because for those of you who submit hot takes, it doesn't always have to be about the current Gonzaga team. You can submit takes about the WCC, other college basketball things, Zags in the NBA, whatever it may be. I'm happy, happy to grade those takes regardless. Uh, first one is about Anton Watson. I put Anton Watson averages 10 points per game. Watson averaged 6.2 points per game last year in about 19 minutes per game. I don't, sorry, 6.9 points per game last year in 19 minutes per game. I don't think his minutes per game are going to increase dramatically, although I do expect him to be up a little bit higher, maybe in the 22 to 23 minutes per game region. I don't know that he's improved dramatically as an offensive player. I do think that Gonzaga has lost some offensive firepower with Joel Eyei and Corey Kispert and Jalen Suggs. That's three players who scored a lot of points last year who are no longer on this roster, obviously. Chet Holmgren in and of itself is a massive replacement for that kind of offense. He's a guy who's going to score close to 20 points per game. Hunter Salas, Nolan Hickman, Rasir Bolton, they're all going to get plenty of points. Julian Strother scored only a couple points per game last year. That's obviously going to come up dramatically this year. So on one hand, it doesn't look like there's a lot of room for Watson to to bump his points per game up nearly three, not nearly, over three points per game. But I think it's possible. I think for one, I think he's going to get a lot of fast break chances. This is a better defensive team. This is a better defensive team than the team last year. Most people believe it's a worse offensive team, and I tend to probably agree with that, although worse is relative because Gonzaga's offense last year was like one of the greatest of all time. So it's a little unfair to compare those two things, but this is definitively a better defensive team. And with Anton Watson on the floor, playing half court traps, you know, playing this hyper aggressive defense at the top of the key, wherever he may be on the floor, if Gonzaga's forcing more turnovers, that's more fast break opportunities. Watson flies down the court. You know, he's not Rasir Bolton in terms of overall speed, but the dude moves, and I think he's going to get a lot of fast break opportunities. I also think we're going to see a guy who shoots more threes. I don't think he's going to shoot a ton of threes. And in fact, one of my other predictions almost contradicts that, that a little bit, but Anton Watson's made four threes in two years. So me saying that he increases to making a few more threes is not not a dramatic improvement necessarily. He hasn't made a lot of them in his career up to this point. But I think he's going to be a little bit more aggressive looking for his shot. I think he's going to be a weapon when Gonzaga is facing zone defenses, which as I've said, I think might happen a fair amount. Watson is really good at moving without the basketball. And I think he can play kind of that running roll down on the baseline in zone offenses really, really effectively. And I think if Gonzaga sees a lot of them, he's going to get a lot of opportunities in that regard. 10 points per game is probably a little high. I think there's a there's a recipe for Anton Watson to have a very successful season and have his points per game be virtually unchanged from what it was last year, about seven points per game. But I think there's also a realistic case that at the end of the year, Watson averages 10 points per game. Next up, Hunter Salas. Hunter Salas has a higher field goal percentage than any Gonzaga guard this year or last year. So last year's leader among the guards was Joel Eyei with 57.5 field goal percentage on the year, which is really, really good. It's tough to beat that. Salas would have to beat that, and he'd have to beat every other guard on this roster, which of course includes Bolton and Nempard and Hickman. So the reason that I think this is because, A, Hunter Salas has been super efficient as a scorer through the first two uh, exhibition games against Eastern Oregon and LC State. Again, 
their exhibition games <laughs> doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot. I also don't think Salas is going to take a ton of threes, which is something that can obviously drag down your field goal percentage. It's part of the reason Joel's was so high. He does take a lot of threes, but he also did a lot of finishing around the rim, which he was elite at. Joel finished around 70% of his two-point shots last year. But I think that's what Salas is going to do too. I think he's super, super efficient around the rim. He's got a decent mid-range game. He's going to be a guy similar to Joel last year, where at the end of the game, you're going to be like, wow, Hunter had 14 points and six rebounds, and I feel like I didn't even remember him doing anything. And it's because he scores 14 points on six or seven shots. He doesn't waste a lot of shots. He doesn't take a lot of bad shots. Those are things that I already feel pretty confident about him as a basketball player, even though we haven't seen him against very legitimate competition up to this point. So my hot take is at the end of the year, he has one of the best field goal percentages by a guard in school history and better than anybody did this year or last year. Number three, Ben Gregg makes more threes than every non-Chet Holmgren big man combined. So this basically is me saying that Ben Gregg makes more threes than Drew Timmy, Anton Watson, and Caden Perry combined. Now, Ben Gregg's not going to play a lot of minutes. This has been an oft-discussed topic of conversation uh, on this podcast, on other Gonzaga podcasts, on Gonzaga Twitter. It's wildly discussed the minutes per game for Ben Gregg and Caden Perry because there just there aren't any. There are not minutes for these guys to play super consistently this season, but they will both play. And for my money, Ben Gregg's best skill set on this roster is his outside shooting. I've compared him to Killian Tilly. I still feel pretty confident in that comparison. He's not going to play as many minutes as as Killian did as a freshman. He's probably only going to play five, six, seven minutes per night, something like that. But all he needs to do to make more threes than all three of those guys in my mind is make like 15 of them which is about a half a three per game. So if he has a couple games where he knocks down two, uh, he knocks down one every other game, he's going to be he's going to do that. Now, 15 made threes between Timmy Watson and Perry seems may seem a little bit low, but I I've I'm going on record as saying I I don't think we're going to see this big uptick in three-point shots from Drew Timmy. I I think we'll see him take take a few more. I think he's going to try to do more of it, but I don't think it fits into the offense very well. I don't think there's a need, like with the players that this team has, Drew Timmy taking a three is rarely the best or even close to the best option for this team to try to score points. I think he's going to play under the rim a lot. Anton Watson might knock down a few more, but like I said, he's made four in two years, so I don't think we can expect a huge uptick from him. And so as long as Ben Gregg makes 15 or 23s this year, which is asking a lot because of his minutes per game, but in some of those early season games against not very good teams, you know, when they play the Bellarmines of the world and Dixie State and Alcorn State, if he plays eight minutes in those games and gets a chance to take two or three threes and knocks them down, by the end of the year, it could be, it wouldn't be shocking if he's at 15, 18, 20. And that might be more than all those guys combined. Now, this does not include Chet Holmgren. I want to make that uh, pretty clear. He's going to shoot a lot of them. He's going to make a lot of them. There's a good chance he leads the team in three-pointers, uh, probably second to Julian Strother, but there's he, he, he didn't count in this conversation. Next up, Gonzaga and Alabama combined for over 200 points. So I don't think the over-under has come out in this game, but I'm smashing over regardless, <laughs> regardless of what it is. These two teams are going to score a crap load of points. I'm slightly biased because I'm going to that game. It's going to be at Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle. It's going to be an absolute blast. I'm so excited for Battle in Seattle to be back. I'm excited to see the new arena. I'm excited for these two teams to play each other. But I think if you think we're going to get dizzy watching Dixie State tonight with our eyeballs doing the tennis thing, going back and forth, it's going to be crazy against Alabama because they're an efficient scoring team and they love to run. 
the two of the most up-tempo teams in the country. Alabama was fifth last year. They're going to be in the top five again this year. Gonzaga has a real shot to be in the top five, or at very least the top 10 uh, in tempo this season as well. I think we're talking about a score that's going to be something like 106 to 99. Like It's going to be nuts. <laughs> it's going to be a super insane high-scoring affair. And I firmly believe that if it's not over 200 points, it's going to be real close to it before that game is over. And my last one, transitioning to talk Zags in the NBA, I think Jalen Suggs is going to average over 20 points per game in the second half of this season. And that's basically just my confidence that Jalen Suggs is going to he's going to, be, he's going to come back. He's, he's struggled his first few games in the NBA. The Orlando is still giving him a ton of playing time, playing over 30 minutes per night for them. He's getting a lot of assists, a lot of rebounds, doing everything right on the basketball court. His defense has been phenomenal. His shot just hasn't fallen. And it's frustrating for Gonzaga, or for Gonzaga fans, but also Orlando fans. You know, Toronto fans are really letting them have it a little bit with the Scotty Barnes thing. But I, I don't think Jalen's going to continue to struggle offensively. He's just he's too good of a basketball player. He's too mature. He's too focused. He's too just pure talented that his shot's going to start falling. He's not going to be an elite three-point shooter. He may never be an elite three-point shooter, but if he is, it's probably not going to happen this year. But I think he's so good at getting to the rim. He's so good at drawing his drawing contact, getting to the free throw line. He's adjusting to the NBA game. That stuff's a little bit different. We saw him adjust to the college game. I mean, he, it took him a bit to figure that out. He got called for a lot of fouls. He wasn't getting calls he thought he deserved. I think he's probably adjusting to the NBA game. Once he gets that figured out, once he figures out what you need to do to score in the NBA, he's going to be really good at it. So I think second half, all-star break on for the rest of the year, he's going to average over 20 points per game. All right, that is going to do it for today, the last episode that is considered preseason. We are done with the preseason. Every piece from here on out is during in-season content. I cannot wait to chat with you all tonight during the game on Twitter at ScoreZagScore. You can find me there if you're not already following me. I'm, of course, going to record my post-game reactions right after the game as well. You can see that podcast going up on Wednesday. And then, of course, we have... A lot of other fun stuff coming this week. We're going to do Andy Locks on Thursday. We're going to have a guest on on Friday to preview the Texas game. All right here on the Locked on Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Very soon to be available on YouTube as well. Finally, thank you again for making this episode your first listen of the day. Now is a great time to make your second listen to the Locked on NBA podcast. You can get all your daily NBA updates from a variety of league experts while checking in on your favorite Zags playing at the next level. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags!